Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 39. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. That means each week, one of us gets to choose a movie or a television show that the other person has never seen before. Never seen. And then this is this is all about righting the wrongs. Mm-hmm. Enforced viewing ensues. Yes. And then we unpack it all here for you. It's unpacked. No, we are about to unpack. Okay. We're Do you going see to all unpack. the boxes over yes, there? Yes, we're going to unpack them. Not actually boxes <laughs> over there, but we are going to do some unpacking. So it's your choice. It, it was, was your my choice. choice. It was not my choice. That's so we right. are not talking about uh, Sergio Leone Westerns uh, or yeah. <laughs> Fellini movies. We've never done a Fellini movie. Um, what did we choose? What did you choose? So I chose. Um, uh, a movie from 2002, uh, directed by Miguel Arteta, written by Mike White, and uh, it is The Good Girl, uh, starring Jennifer Aniston and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, Mike White is in it as well, and uh, uh, Zoe Deschanel as well. Um, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. <laughs> very in, young Joy. And her Zoe little Deschanel. little bit parts that she did before she got. Yes, she um, used to do bit per- parts in quirky mm-hmm. comedies before she had leading roles in quirky exactly. comedies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although the first thing I remember seeing her in was All the Real Girls, which was not a quirky comedy. No, it was it a really heavy it's a really good movie. movie. It's very good if yeah. you haven't seen it. <laughs> so 2002 film? Yes. Um, so Why did I, you choose it? What is it? Uh, the Good Girl is a dark comedy. Some of it say a, a dark dramedy, but I don't like I don't combining like words word. like I that. I don't like combine. That's not true. She combines yeah. <laughs> words all the time. She likes compound I words. I don't like that compound word. Okay. We'll just say that. Um, it is the story of a woman uh, who works at a big box store in a small town. and Retail rodeo. Retail it's rodeo. It's important to know it's retail rodeo she, it's, and it's in Texas. It's supposed to be rural Texas. It was filmed in California. But it's, if you put Texas license plates on cars, yeah. and have people with accents, it it looks like small town Texas the way they shot it. So it, at least someone had been to small town Texas at some point because it they were pretty good at uh, making it look like that at least. Yeah. Um. So she is bored with her life. She um is looking for something different. She just is. Is done. Her husband's a pothead. He paints houses. John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley. In full pothead mode. <laughs> uh, he has a best friend. They hang out together all the time. Um, so she's looking for something else, and she finds it in in the in the in the person of Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays Holden, aka Tom, which is Holden his, is not his actual his name. actual name. Um, who is a, uh, he's about eight years younger than her, a checker at Rotel, Retail Rodeo. and um, The new checker in town. You know, he has a history of being depressed and dropping out of school. He lives at home with his parents. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> the cats are being um, loud. Um. <laughs> I'm not stopping this, so you have to keep going. Um, he, there's some some evidence that he's had a mental breakdown and that's why he's living at home. Um, and so he's just, he's, he's world weary, I guess. And anyway, they find an escape from the depression of, of small town life in each other briefly <laughs> before it all goes to hell. Oh, there's this whole, <laughs> the whole thing about how they're the only ones who get each other. Yes. Right. I feel yeah. got. Yeah. 
however they phrase that. Um, I don't know that she gets him, but whatever. <laughs> I don't think he gets her either. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just convenience, you know. <laughs> They're both, the, I don't know. They see, I think they see each other's um, loneliness or inability yeah. to fit in in some way. Yeah. They're kind of on the outskirts, On the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So (laughs) when did you see this for the first time and why did you choose this for me to watch? So I must have seen this when it came out. I can't remember which theater I saw it at. I would guess it was either the Arbor one or um, the Dobie. So you saw this when it first came out? I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater as opposed to... um, I had seen Chuck and Buck when it came out that... Two years prior in year 2000, which is also Miguel Arteta and Mike White uh, collaboration. I have still never seen the infamous Chuck and Buck. Which, like, somebody must have convinced me to go because Chuck and Buck was really uncomfortable for me to watch. Oh, you know, I've been processing this for years because one of my best friends in film school, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Um, She's totally not listening. But... but, um, she used to. She used to. She told. She told me about Chuck and Buck when it came out. We were in film school, and she was like, "I really think you should see that. It seems like your kind of thing." Yeah. And I'm, now I'm like, "Hmm, I what does like that mean?" I feel like maybe I should go back and see it because, like, when I watched it, I was such um, a young, you know, young teenager type person who mm-hmm. was like overwhelmed, and I still like when things are embarrassing happening to characters on television, I still get up and pace like it's a horror movie sometimes. Because my, other than horror films, uh, social awkwardness is like my, my, my big trigger when it comes to movies. And self-destruction, I guess. Do you often find yourself pacing during Chuck White scripted shows Mike or White. films Mike, Mike White <laughs> yeah. Chuck White Chuck I've just White. Chuck, I can't he remember is if Chuck he plays Buck. Chuck or Buck in the I, don't film. Know. I don't know I hope he plays Chuck just because he seems like a Chuck yeah, um, Mike White do you often pace during the social awkwardness of uh, yeah I mean he is so good at portraying like writing that sort of tension between people who are like not self-aware enough to know that they're being weird in front of other people you know for whatever reason that they're being weird you know um which is like for someone like me that is like my chief fear in life is to to be that tone deaf and that awkward in front of someone else you know i um so you didn't you don't enjoy seeing other people in that situation no i do not (laughs) and yet you're fascinated because you like these movies you know i really admire the way I mean and this is a character driven film I mean our two lead characters they're not archetypes they're flawed human beings with and you get a better understanding of what's going on with them especially our lead character uh, Jennifer Aniston what is her character Justine mm-hmm. um, you get a better idea of what's going on in her brain than than a lot of films that would cover the same sort of material, I think. Um, and I, I just, I like his characters because they are people, real people with flaws that are silly and awkward. And, and they make terrible choices sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they hurt each other. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of the things they do are because of the bad choices they make. They self-inflict mm. like pain and chaos and bring sort of yeah bad situations into existence. Well, and so 
this film in particular is meaningful to me because, you know, and when I first saw it, I wouldn't have felt this way. I wouldn't have understood what Justine felt. Mm -hmm. But living the life, the experiences that I've had, and I, like, I watched it again a couple years, maybe three years ago, just as I was... My father had died. I had left my uh, my ex husband, um, and I felt like the the movie is called The Good Girl, mm-hmm. but it's about how awful she feels about all the choices that. And even before she, you know, has the affair, she feels like she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. And like I went through a period of time where I felt like a bad. Per- I, I knew I was doing the right thing. I mm-hmm. mean, and she made a different choice than I did, but. Yeah. I was do I felt like I was doing the right thing but I felt like an awful person for doing that mm-hmm. you know for for making choices to make my pri- for prioritizing my happiness over mm-hmm. someone else's and like I don't know if that's like a thing that I mean I know it's a thing that women do it's just that we're supposed to sacrifice our happiness for the happiness of other people and when you don't do that when you make a choice that 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 changes that then Mm -hmm. then there's a lot of self-imposed and maybe societally imposed guilt about it Mm -hmm. um so when i first saw it i always liked the film but it it was more meaningful to me to see it you know three years ago or whenever i decided to rewatch it you know yeah so when we joined her in the movie she i feel like she isn't looking for anything new or different she's just completely stuck and given up yeah it's it's she resigned and i think i see some of that i see a different version of that in enlightened you see someone who's stuck with the way people see them (laughs) (laughs) before and trying god damn it to be a different person and to be a better person yeah um but she needs like the Justine uh, Jennifer Aniston needs the spark of somebody new coming into the world. Yeah. The story starts with the arrival of the new clerk, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about him a little bit. Mm. He's not a traditional like. This is not a romantic comedy. Let's no, just say no, that. No, no, it's not that. But he's <laughs> he's not at first glimpse any prize or anything like that. No, he's a schleppy, mopey. Um, introverted, um, depressed. I, I don't know how to describe his, it. His he's whole not, manner, I mean, like his voice is even slurred a little yeah, bit or something like that. It's hard to see what's attractive about yeah. him other than he's somebody new yeah. urging her to see the world in a different way. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> like, there's not... there. There was never at any point for me in watching this film where I'm like, boy, I hope it all works out for them. They yeah. seem like a great couple. Yeah, they should totally run away they together. They should totally <laughs> run away together. This seems like a really good... I mean, to me, it seems clear pretty early on that he's kind of emotional or emotionally stunted. Yeah. Like he's frozen at a younger age. 
He has never really left home. He's yeah. not really an independent person. He sits on the sofa and watches TV with his parents or like just holds up and is he's kind of a te- he's kind of stuck in depressed teenager yeah. stage and he's just a few years older than that. Well, right? I love the description she has of all the stories he gives her which it's like always the same story where it's like Yeah, he's a he's a writer. Yeah. He's a boy put up put upon by the world, you know. Uh, whose parents don't <laughs> understand, understand him. him. <laughs> And then they always end in some dramatic, suicide. tragic they suicide. They all end in suicide, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, foreshadowing, <laughs> perhaps. That's a common style of story yeah. for 20-something boys to yeah, write. Yeah, I guess When so. they want to be, uh, <laughs> they want to be, um, uh, you know, one of the great existentialist writers or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have... You have um, the affair actually starts because because he kind of gives her an ultimatum. Remember to show up in the to do, oh, yeah. show up at uh, where five o'clock. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese's. They is have to Chuck meet e. at Ch- outside of Chuck E. Cheese's, <laughs> which is just so which depressing. is a little weird. And Small kind of towns per- in Texas don't have Chuck E. Cheese's, so okay, <laughs> you have to go to the big city for Chuck E. Cheese. But, but I'm sorry, but emotionally, <laughs> emotional age level meeting at the Chuck E. Cheese seems right for this yeah. character. Well, it's it's interesting how their courtship happens because it like first starts when she drives him home one day. Yeah, because he's got like a sore foot or something like he that. He never has a sore foot. Yeah, he's just faking that to to um, the implication is yeah, and he's he, making that he up just to lives get the down ride the block. Home. Apparently, he lives a couple know, blocks away. away. Yeah, and they start this well because they kind of have to sneak around at work. Yeah. a little bit. So yeah. he always pretends his foot's bothering him, and then yeah, well they eat lunch together, and then I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But eventually the affair starts, which... Mm. Well, he tries to kiss her. She says, no, I'm married, I think is what happens. Yeah. But then that's when he writes her the letter, which I don't... I guess that was the exciting thing. It was like a decision to make. Something is different, you know, Mm -hmm. after eight years. She's been working at retail rodeo since she was in her 20s, you know, so She's it's been like there 10 forever. Years. She wants to have a child. She yeah. wants to have kids. And so that's another whole yeah. issue in the film, too. She wants to have kids. And you're like, really? You want to have kids with John C. Riley, well, who is stoned? He's a nice on, guy. You he's know? nice, but he's stoned on the sofa all day long yeah. and has no awareness of, of her feelings or her life or what's yeah. going on in her head. They're not intimate on that level yeah or really any level i don't know yeah well and it's interesting because she says at some point that the reason doesn't really sound like a comedy does it yeah (laughs) it's it's a mike well it's my kind of comedy i mean i love this sort of dark real comedy you know in which case i should probably point out that he wrote for freaks and geeks um, he actually oh, he actually played Kim knew. Kelly's brother, he, uh, the one that oh, was brain damaged on the you, couch. Yeah, yeah, the one who's just lying on the couch in the bed. <laughs> Kim Kelly is my friend. Yes, that that episode. So he wrote that episode, but okay. he wrote other parts of. Uh, oh, you're and Gates. introducing me to a, a strange and unusual artist who I am digging a lot. Um, so I, it's just he he brings this element of yes darkness, but like realness too you know of of people who are aware of the you know there's there's some people who are able to tune out the kind of meaninglessness of life and like he writes about people who are not able to tune that out for one reason or another you know he writes things about 
people who kind of wake up all of a sudden mm-hmm. and realize that they've been in a dead end track or stuck in a groove. Yeah. He writes about people who are kind of like stuck in a groove, like going around <laughs> and around and around. And then they suddenly become aware that they're yeah. stuck and they want to become unstuck, but they don't know how to become unstuck. And then they start flailing by making bad decisions that yeah. sometimes knock them into a better place, but sometimes make things much worse. And it's a very human kind of thing yeah. to happen because people are so afraid to people want to change. Yeah. Let's get philosophical. Yeah. But they're afraid to change or afraid mm. to take the first step or they can take the first step, but they don't want to follow through and they retreat again. And he's really good. Well, at, and he, at take, that. he takes that additional step, which is no matter what change you make, you were still yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard once you make that change to, to get out of your own way and let you can't that just decide yeah. to be a different person. <laughs> That's right. Which is what the other thing yeah. enlightened the television show with Laura Dern is about also written by Mike way. Yeah. We should talk just about that at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, I think, I think so. Well, I mean, if you, I, and it's funny that you, the way you said that actually, you know, he wrote school of rock as well. <laughs> And a number Another, of other Jack Black films, which I haven't seen. But School Nacho of Rock Libre. is... Yeah, St- Jack Black... I mean, School of Rock is one of those films that I could just watch again and again. Isn't it directed by Rick Yeah, Rick Later, Later. yeah. Um, but again, that character is stuck in a rut, you know, you know, going to rock clubs every night. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he finds a... Um, a way to get out of that rut, you know, this, so it's interesting how he can play with tone because, mm-hmm. you know, based on, on, I think his comfort zone is this sort of uncomfortable gray area where, you know, where things aren't extremely happy, but things aren't, uh-huh. you know. So he nails ambiguity. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and some, you were, you were saying something, I can't remember if you've already, you were getting to this, yeah. but he, people are not good or bad. Mm. They have all of those shades. Yeah. Are you going to say something about that? Well, I just found this great quote. I was going through uh, some interviews with Mike White and he has this great quote from this interview for, uh, with Sam Jones, mm-hmm. um, where he said, there is some need to flatter the human race with the movies that we make. And if they're not flattering, then they are villains. They're not us. And there's a part of me that thinks, no, you're that person too. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that because, you know, depending on perspective and depending on, on all, a lot of things, we all make choices that could be seen as good or evil, depending on what your point of view is. Every good person is also a bad person. Yeah, exactly. And everything in between. (laughs) Well, and no bad person is wholly bad. You know, that's... Mm -hmm. You know, whenever and how I, are you bad in yeah. the fact that something you've done has hurt someone else? Yeah, I which mean, and then people Jennifer do that Anson, all the time. <laughs> Justine really hurts um, her husband when yeah. he, it takes him a long time to figure out anything's going on. Yeah, she, <laughs> but he hits her. Yeah. So you know, who's he's been nothing but a nice, mm-hmm. and then but that I mean, like in some. Like, if you're just presented with the idea of a man hitting his wife, that is, mm-hmm. you know, un, unequivocally evil in the eyes yeah. of society. But, you know, when you're presented with circumstances and how people react in situations where things are emotional, 
you know, it's not justifiable, but it's understandable, I guess, is the... Yeah. Is the... Well, you're seeing the whole situation and context around that moment mm-hmm. that he can never take back. Yeah. However, strangely, they seem to end up okay yeah. by the end of the film. Yeah. And They're having a child together mm-hmm. that we're pretty sure is not his. Pretty sure it's not his child. Because his, his boys aren't <laughs> swimming. That's or, right. Or whatever. Because of all the, the marijuana. Yes. I, we're assuming. Or other reasons we don't know but um now isn't that a classic mike white mike white uncomfortable scene yeah <laughs> calling in your going into the uh, sperm place to to get checked out and asking your wife and your best friend to go with you yeah that's that's weird that's that's weird <laughs> that's a, not a scene that other people necessarily would have included yeah so let's I mean, let's look a little bit at some of the heightened, amplified yeah. comedic stuff. Maybe some of the other characters. I mean, yeah. you have the Zoe Deschanel character. You have the Mike White character, yeah. Corny. Let's so tell he me plays about him. the ultra. He's the security guard at, at re- retail rodeo. Retail rodeo. And he is, you know, ultra religious, evangelical. You know, some background on that. Mike White's father was actually a. A evangelical preacher. I'm glad you got a chance to look into some of this because oh, I heard an interview with him and um, Mark Marin on. Oh, oh. Uh, it was really good. I'm gonna have to dial that. Yeah, one up. it's really good. Um, but he was raised, and actually, I was just reading some more about that. But his father was really conflicted about what he did for a living after a while because he actually wrote speeches for Jerry Falwell. Wow. Um, and like he, this I did not know. Yeah, and like. And, Dur- all during Mike's childhood, his dad knew that Mike was gay, and mm-hmm. yet he was working for this person who was actively, you know, moving against, yeah. um, you know, the LGBT community. And, like, the conflict of, you know, needing to put food on the table and pay rent versus, you know, doing mm-hmm. something that you could do versus... <clears throat> And he talks about that's why um, he ends up doing some of the more popular stuff that he does is that he needs to be able to pay the bills so that he can work on, you on know, things stuff. that he enjoys, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's just sort of the thing about Hollywood. And he's like, you know, you do one for them and then yeah, you do one for you. A exactly. lot of people do that, you know, um, so it's. Yeah, um, anyway, he plays um, this evangelical um, guy who invites Justine to Bible study um, and is really judgy of, um, you know, everybody knows she's having an affair and he's really judgy about it and, you know. Turns out later on that he's been watching portions of the stockroom affair on the security camera. On the security camera, Mm -hmm. yeah, which is creepy. So he's one of those great, really pleasant, like, Bible study types yeah. who invites you to Bible study, and when you say you can, you really just need to head home for the night. Like, puts a big smile on his face and says, so, well, so maybe you'll end maybe up in hell. En- maybe you'll enjoy <laughs> your your free nights in hell every night. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> just a joke. This is a passive-aggressive. <clears throat> and then uh, Zoe Deschanel's character, which is this, she's the announcer, and she just... Ha- she says the announcers in, in, in the store, announcements. Yeah, she's always slipping in really bad. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> really so bad she gets about halfway through. Uh, she gets moved to the makeup counter after Gwen dies, and then she just 
troll makeups all the old yeah, ladies who come into Cirque the shop. Face. Yes, d- Cirque de Face. <laughs> and the manager's just kind of like <laughs> deadpan, kind of like. Yeah, as long as the place isn't on fire, yeah. it's pretty much okay to do yeah. what you do. I think the opening montage shows him like just grabbing a bag of candy from the shelf and eating it. Oh, I didn't make the connection yeah. that that was him. <laughs> that was him, yeah. Okay, I thought that was like a trashy employee. <laughs> no, I think that's the, that's store, the, manager. the store manager. It's so. all good. Well, and you know what I we didn't mention is one of the things that sort of um, adds to the, the weirdness around the store is... Um, uh, Justine has a good friend, Gwen, who runs the makeup counter with her. And um, Gwen, you know, stops on the way to work one day, stops along the highway and buys some blackberries from this guy who's selling them. Mm -hmm. She eats them and then gets food poisoning. Mm -hmm. So there's this comic scene where Justine is trying to get to the Chuck E. Cheese's to meet... uh, uh, Holden before he he'll never see her like again. For the ultimatum, yeah. yeah. Um, but she has to drive Gwen to the hospital because she's throwing up due to the uh-huh. the the blackberries. Um, so she takes Gwen, sort of just drops her off. She's meant to go inside with her, but she just drops her off and then drives back to the Chuck E. Cheese. And you know what happens? <laughs> Gwen dies. Gwen dies. <laughs> Gwen dies. So this is an example of where in Mike yeah. White land you take a feeling of guilt Mm -hmm. and you project this death is like a projection of her guilt yeah she is responsible for this woman dying because of what just yeah which of course she's not she was not but that's kind of what's that's the universe of the movie is like oh you're gonna choose this guy over your friend who's really sick. Yeah. Okay, then, she's going to die. Well, and then she proceeds to, as the affair is occurring, she proceeds <clears throat> to tell her husband that she's visiting Gwen every time that she's spending the night with, or spending some time with Olden, um, so that when she does go actually to see Gwen because she feels bad, that's when she learns that Gwen has just died um, after she's used her as this excuse to spend time with her lover for <laughs> a week or however long it is, three mm-hmm. days or whatever, so... So add to all this, you have her husband's best friend and colleague, yes. painter, Bubba. Bubba. And that all weird stuff when yeah. he finds out. So he that. discovers that Justine's affair and um, he writes her this weird, or he, they have this weird discussion about how he always looked up to, um, what is her husband's name? Phil. Phil. Um and was like trapped by the fact that he could never live up to Phil. And now that she's made a fool of Phil, that he's free. But the only way he can truly free himself is by uh, sleeping with Justine. So um, he blackmails her essentially into into agreeing to a fling with him. Or he'll tell Phil. Or he'll tell Phil. Um, so yeah, that's that was a little... <laughs> That's another very dark path yeah, that it does. the film takes. That does. she does that she agrees to that. You know, my favorite dark path that it goes on is when like Holden is freaking out because he can't spend she can't spend as much time with him because she thinks that Bubba knows. Um and he's like having full on like toddler fit about not being able to see her. So she like picks him up in the car and he's freaking out. 
Um, and she, she she passes the guy with the blackberries and then turns around and buys some blackberries and gives them to Holden to eat. <laughs> and watches him popping the blackberries <laughs> as they talk. And then suddenly she grabs them and throws, throws them, them into the, the vaccine. <laughs> they looked a little dusty. There was something. There's a bug or something on them is what she said. Yeah. So she um, was looking for a quick way out of that, even if it involved poisoning Holden. Willfully food poisoning Holden with the deadly blackberries from the side of the road. I hope the FDA is on that. Um. Don't buy blackberries from that old guy by the side of the road. road. Yeah, in Simi Valley, California. Um, that, that's one of, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is she's just trying to get a control on everything is spinning out of control. <laughs> so, and they're really kind of low stakes, actually, when you think about it. What do you think about, are there different kinds of acting styles going on in this film? I mean, to me, Jennifer Aniston plays this totally straight. Yeah. She's like, completely she really flat. inhabits this character. Yeah. She's completely three dimensional. Mm-hmm. There's no nods or winks of any kind. I'm not sure that everybody else is on the same page. Yeah. I feel like some of the other, and it's not necessarily, maybe it's actually a good choice to have her be so grounded and authentic a person. Yeah. At the heart of the story. But some of the other characters feel more like, comedic yeah it's true characters i wouldn't say that they're necessarily two-dimensional maybe some of them are like zoe deschanel yeah, or something I think like the, that the farther you get away from oh i like that now i'm picturing concentric yeah, circles the farther you the get center. away from justine the the less defined the characters are you know i'm not sure gyllenhaal's playing it completely straight yeah, like the, well, but he's his got char- that, that lisp or some, some, he's doing something with his voice, which is not usual for him, you know. Yeah, but, you know, you're, yeah. he, the part requires him to, like, have, like you said, full-on toddler mm-hmm. rage tantrums yeah. and to be, you know, weeping and grasping and losing control of himself. Yeah. It's it's not a very attractive <laughs> no, it's not. role for him. Um <laughs> But it's again that kind of so heightened yeah. and exaggerated. Well, it doesn't feel it does. It feels like Justine is the only real person in a way. Well, at first he seems. I'm sure to her would have seemed sort of mysterious and attractive in for that mysteriousness. But as she learns more about, him. so the other thing you learn is that that cool, attractive yeah. guy might be a total mess. Yeah, like. You know, the the grass is always greener or the mysterious stranger yeah. is sometimes just a freak. Well, I mean, like when you look at her husband, who is, I mean, like <clears throat> definitely a comic figure. He, I mean, he exists in the land of where things are funny and like weird. And he's kind of clueless aside, and yeah. he basically is stoned half yeah. the movie. And like when you compare that to someone who looks serious, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's the, but but there's a whole mess of other stuff going on, you know, beyond that initial facade. <laughs> so where is Jennifer Aniston these days? What is she doing? Because I haven't really been keeping up with her, but she's so good in this. It makes me wonder, so she like, what is, else have I missed that she did? That's, did she get other really she went, good you know, roles the like woman, this? Um, who writes the, um, she wrote Enough Said and um, Walking and Talking. And, oh, yeah. 
Um, so she was in a movie, Friends with Money, oh. written by that, where she played a maid. I don't um, think I saw that. Um, and it was pretty good. Um, but what the interesting thing she's doing now is she's in the new Apple production of... Um, oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. Of, like, warring... Um, Morning show, morning ho- show hosts host, with yeah. Reese Witherspoon and okay, that does look like it has potential. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing to me is that I think they're around the same age, Reese Witherspoon, and yeah. so it's not like a young person versus old person no. thing. It's just like a different energy kind of thing, which I think is interesting. I'm, I'm not like gonna, th- I'm not gonna subscribe to no, Apple, but I like them both a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think uh, Steve Carell plays the um, Ma- Matt Lauer. Uh, the disgraced uh, Matt Lauer type character, you know. I'm just saying it's a shame that this is an on this is on an all new service that yeah. <laughs> at, at present time I don't plan to subscribe well, to. Well, it's you can't subscribe oh to gosh. them all. No, everything is becoming fiefdoms again. <laughs> That's it's right. It's turning into cable TV again. That's true. Or pay cable <laughs> again, where you have to get HBO and you have to get Cinemax and you have to add on this package or that package. Well, so this this was the first film I think she made after she was finishing up the last season of Friends, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or was she? She oh, might still. I don't work. know how late Friends went. So this film. Yeah, is... she was finishing up the last season of Friends okay. about the time that she was working on. So this. she's starting to work on what's next. So people next were really and... impressed by her performance. Roger Ebert was really impressed mm-hmm. by it. Other all the reviews that I saw, they were impressed by her performance in this. It just he didn't feel that she'd be degraded herself. No, she didn't. <laughs> Degrade herself. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking recently about the couple of times where Roger Ebert kind of went off the rails and really yeah. freaked out about good films, yeah. particularly the way, and it was Fast Times at Richmond High. Jennifer Jason Lee. I think it's a one star or no star review yeah, such where a good he film. freaks out about how degraded and awful it is, the, how, the, how uh, such a pretty face, pretty wholesome face like Jennifer Jason Lee is just so used in this film and and like the reason i'm drawn to fast time at ridgemont high is similar to the reason that i'm drawn to Hmm. the good girl which is that the characters behave like real people Mm -hmm. like teenagers would like people who felt desperate in their life situations you mean people sometimes lose virginity at the uh, baseball stands sometimes that happens in in the corner (laughs) and at night and a depressing creepy guy yeah the creepy guy that you never see again at the mall yeah you know that happens sometimes you know it's not ideal but no one's life is ideal you know (laughs) well my life is ideal (laughs) is is it okay and you always make the correct choices just like um a good person would (laughs) So, I think this might be a good time to veer back into um, Enlightened. Yeah. So, Enlightened was, how long ago was that? 2011. Television show on HBO? HBO. 2000 what? Uh, 2011. There were two seasons. Okay. Oh, it's more recent than I thought. I thought it was even older than that. So, this is Laura Dern um, playing uh, Amy Jellicoe. And also written by written all every single episode written by Mike White, who which is also, why we want to tie it in yeah. because it's part of that the special Mike White universe that that you're introducing me to. Yeah, and you did introduce me to Enlightened too. We yeah. kind of debated whether we should just do a, a show on Enlightened. It's it's so it's almost like you know, 2011 was sort of the like peak of 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 
TV renaissance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think there's still a lot of good shows, but but that t- time period when there were so many of the like Mad Men and, and it, Breaking Bad, it was starting and, to be less about what's on at the movie theater and which which new show yeah. was everybody talking about because it you know was yeah. one of these groundbreaking shows like Breaking Bad or Mad Men. So this is similar. It's a dramedy. Um, our hero or anti-hero, as the case may be, is Amy Jellico, who is a woman who had an emotional breakdown at work. Um, and then she went and spent three months at a retreat in Hawaii where she learned to... She racked up a $50,000 bill yeah, or something. She, she learned know. to be mindful and uh, take every day as it comes. And then she comes back to where she was and tries to start back up at the same job where so she... <laughs> she left that job. Yeah. Kicking and screaming and threatening and yeah. being dragged out by security, like full on meltdown. Yeah. So what is the best choice to make about your employment <laughs> when after three month your three month recovery? Go back and get a job with the your same old company. Job. Yeah. <laughs> Go say hello to your old colleagues and try to reestablish friendships. Don't do that. Move in with your mother. <laughs> yeah, move in with your who's mother. Who's played by her actual mother, Diane yeah. Ladd. Yeah. And, and then, I don't know how many times they've worked together as mother and daughter, but never for me as memorably as Wild at Heart, which we still have to do, seen. which we still have to do on this show, especially because okay. I'm going through my David Lynch reunion period. So, you know, Laura Dern is an amazing actress. She, I mean, she can play I, every role she's been in. She's that I remember so has been amazing. And when you, we have just been watching her in um, Big Little Lies, yeah, which we never finished. We never finished season two season because two. it became a little too uncomfortable yeah. for unwinding time. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the night, I need to watch. I need to see how it ends. Well, and as we discussed, Enlightened is a difficult show to watch because <sighs> I'm just going to sigh. Amy tries so hard to be a better person, but she still has so many anger issues. And she has problems with passive aggressiveness and not being self-aware. And and you know. <laughs> in typical Mike White form, not for Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, she has no boundaries nope. at all. <laughs> I want to die every time she goes to see her old co-worker, Krista, who got her job, I think, yeah, she or got her, her office, jo- who no, used, her job. used to be yeah. her assistant. Yeah. And has now taken her office, basically has her job, and... She only gets rehired because she threatens HR exactly. with yeah. a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they find a really shitty job for her in the basement in this unit that doesn't really do anything. She's like checking spreadsheets or something They're like that. Checking productivity spreadsheets. Yeah. And it's all the outcasts, all the people they can't fire and don't know what to do with. Mike White is one of them. Yes. <laughs> Mike White is on the computer. He's her buddy downstairs. <laughs> That's the job they find. God knows. I mean, pay probably cut to the ribbons. She yeah. was like a manager of an area. or, dep- or Health and dep- beauty was her area. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now Krista, every time she goes to see Krista and tries to be friends with her and invites her to lunch, shows up at her baby shower it's the worst thing i just want to die but (laughs) i can't stop watching because it's so good well yeah it is really good what's interesting to me about this company is it seems like one of like alcoa or one of these like um multi-level marketing companies like they're 
like because they have all these Procter divisions. And Gamble. Or, yeah, yeah, maybe something, something like that. Well, Procter you know? and Gamble is not multi-level marketing, I don't know. but um, uh, I don't know. It's not clear, but it's clear that her company is involved in all sorts of environmental destruction activities around the world, and so she like comes in guns blazing, trying to make change at this company you know where she's essentially been demoted you know and she keeps trying to you get you can't <laughs> print off a bunch of blog posts and news stories and hand them to the upper levels at the company and, and expect them to realize that they're they have unethical business practices yeah. <laughs> and that and they'll change but this character this this rage, this need to change, to be a different person and to be a good person and to be joyous and mindful and and at peace with yeah. the universe. Well, inside, that rage is still there. It's, yeah. Laura Dern does such a good job with that. Well, and they have these beautifully written um, monologue, um, what do you mm-hmm. call it, uh, narration over over like stuff happening on screen where she like talks about like, you know, you can, the world can be a better place and you can live in it each day. And, you know, all these like beautifully written, like things that you want to be able to feel and you can, ex- you know. it sounds like a self-help book. Yeah. Essentially. Narration or like your audio book of a self-help yeah. book. And, and it's her little talks to herself. Yeah. Well, my favorite one is the one we've seen so far is the one where she goes on a retreat with her uh, ex-husband. They go on a kayaking trip and like, you know, she like essentially like, uh, you know, leans on him to go with her, gets him to go with her. um, And, you know, they they fight, but then they get in the boat and there's this moment of like peace and where everybody's happy you know, and then like slowly the like reality, like he's flirting with one of the girls that's there. So she gets mad about that. And, and you she, start to see her noticing. Yeah. So she, she, she finds that moment of peace, but then reality comes in and she can't. She finds his stash of drugs. His, she throws that throws away. Throws him in the river. And they have a big fight, you know, because she can't he save him. He freaks out and has to score <laughs> immediately. Yeah. And they burn down. I mean, not literally, but they just, they leave in a terrible state. Mm-hmm. So she just, you know, she can't accept him for who he is you know flawed that he is she wants to try to save him and he has a whole conversation about what's fascinating to me is she won't move on and find new people to bring into her life exactly she's like a ghost that's stuck haunting the people from her past Mm -hmm. and they're still who they were yeah and she thinks she's changed and she it's just like i keep wanting to scream at the television to (laughs) leave the ex-husband alone stop Mm -hmm. Going to Krista's office. Yeah. Move out of your leave mom's house. Leave that poor woman alone. <laughs> Don't move in with your mom. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's again, the Mike White thing of starting the change, but not being able to follow through. Yeah. So it's like, she thinks that she's cleansed her mind and her soul. Yeah. And maybe her body, if she's now eating more healthy and she's not doing drugs and drinking yeah. and stuff like that. But she puts herself physically and her back in the same 
lifestyle with mm-hmm. the same stressors, the same toxic people who were toxic to her, whether yeah. or not they're toxic. You know, like she doesn't have a good relationship with her mother. She has a terrible relation relationship with the ex husband, but she can't leave these people alone. She can't move on. She can't really start over. Yeah, she's stuck like trying to right the wrongs yeah. as if it's her personal responsibility to make everybody as mindful and at peace to heal other people. Yeah. She thinks it's her mission to heal other people. But really I think she's trying to heal her own self-loathing by yeah. getting by getting people to change the way they feel about her. Yeah. I think that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Again, kind of a comedy and yeah, kind of kind not of a comedy. Not a comedy, yeah. But so brilliant. So it's it's challenging TV to watch and I I just I really appreciate that someone is telling these stories about how difficult it is to be human you know and like again maybe your bad decisions aren't justified but they can be understandable you know <laughs> How many episodes are we into enlightened a six, I think. And it's two seasons of 10 or something? Two seasons or? of 10, yeah. It's an HBO Okay, thing. a couple episodes ago, I was freaking out a little bit on because I I was just telling you, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Yeah. Like, I felt very uncomfortable that I don't know how... I don't know how the filmmakers, how the writer, Mike White, how, how they feel about Amy Jellico, the Laura yeah. Dern character. And it makes me uncomfortable because I think we're so used to storytelling and characters that aren't written with as much depth or nuance so yeah. that it's usually very easily telegraphed how we're yeah. supposed to feel about people. And for me to to ride the wave of emotions from like like rooting for her yeah. to hating her and think or <laughs> you know what I mean in one episode. Yeah. It's amazing, but it's really uncomfortable. And so when you're like, shall we watch some challenging television tonight? And I realize you want to watch another episode (laughs) of Enlightened. I will tell you, I think I can do one Enlightened, and then we have to watch a no-brainer afterwards. We'll watch Go. Basically, like, or House Hunters. (laughs) Or House Hunters, yeah. (laughs) Because really, what's better than House Hunters in the end? We can just argue with those people. We don't have to to make judgments about their character, just about their taste. If there was like a Queer Eye channel or something that would just play Queer Eye, all the new ones, like that's that's the perfect show to end a day. And that's not a no-brainer show. I mean, those are deep, but but cleansing. Well, I don't think Enlightened is cleansing. It's a struggle. It's interesting (laughs) because... I mean, in a way that the good girl has Justine wanting what are, I think, like traditional things. She wants she wants something new to happen. She wants mm-hmm. a purpose in her life. Yeah. The child presents that to her. Amy, thus far, we don't know what she wants in life other than acceptance and to make other people's lives better. But that's, I don't know, that's, it's interesting because she's, She's both likable and unlikable and, um, and you know, she's, she's like completely all of, all of those things. But I think it's a, it's challenging for, especially watching women in that type of role, because it's not something necessarily that we expect. I mean, like, I think a lot of times women in in shows are presented as realist or you know they want a traditional 
you know, recognizable goal, you know, you know, they operate out of, out of, you know, a single less complicated emotion. Whereas Amy is operating, you, you can feel all the emotions. I mean, like the jealousy and the rage and the wanting to be understood and the, you know, and that's all there. And I think that sometimes that women aren't always presented in all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas I think that, that in general, a lot of, especially anti-hero shows are better at presenting men in that sort of, there's a whole tradition of male anti-heroes. Yeah. There's not so much with women anti-heroes. Well, and she's not an anti-hero. She, she wants good for the world. It's not like she wants to, she wants good for the world, but her own negative forces. Yeah. Are consuming are her. <laughs> consuming her and are very they're not just self-destructive. She's genuinely hurting other people, mm-hmm. I think, too. Yeah. Like the scene she causes at Krista's um <laughs> baby, baby shower. shower. Yeah. Where it should um, be about Krista and not probably the routine pain and uh, her mom experiences just with having her live there judging her all the time. And that relationship is so interesting because you get to see that mother-child dynamic where just certain things the mom says, you know, are wounding to... Flip a switch. Yeah. That's like this, the narrative that's to govern yeah. their relationship like, their you're, entire you're, life. You're, you know, you know, you never open up to me, mom, and, you know... Or you used you, to always have a different best friend every week yeah, and they were the yeah. best thing in the world and then you would stop liking them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so somebody who can call you out on everything. And like the the amazing thing about it is these two, they can they can do that with like very little you know, there's not a whole lot of words shared, but a few looks and you know Well, I mean they <laughs> surely are drawing on their own relationship yeah. in some way i mean oh, at least the, in the sense that they the part know where each other she so comes well. home and she tries to read this letter to her mom about like all what she's discovered about their relationship and her mom is like is are, is this gonna take is a long this gonna time? take long <laughs> and that's after she started reading it yeah. so you can see she knows it's gonna be really heavy yeah but then you know the the other side of that is like later, um, you know, she comes home she comes in the middle home of the night, and her mom has the letter. She's fallen asleep, fallen asleep reading the letter, so she read it's it. It's in her hand, and she's you know. asleep on her bed. So it's just like such a common thing that failure to understand how people communicate best, you know? Because well, you know, <laughs> actually, this just occurs to me too. Another theme of the show is our unwillingness to let other people change when they decide they want to. Yeah, and that we have already dis- we have made we make our decisions about what box a person fits in and who they are, and it's really hard. Everybody, nobody can adjust. Yeah, when you want to change and be a different person, everybody's like, no, you're the horrible person who had that fit in like in yeah. rage and in the office. You can't move on because you're imprisoned by the way that other people well, see you. It's interesting because like the judgment there, like, so the reason she had the breakdown is she had an affair with a, with a, someone equally placed in her office yeah. who actually might've been slightly senior. I'm not sure. But, um, he, after the affair ends, he moves her to a different division unbeknownst to her. And that's why she had the flip out is because she was being moved from one division to another, mm-hmm. you know. And the other division was like her passion and yeah. like the one that she built from scratch, yeah. you know. It- so, I mean, like, 
for you know with that as perspective you know her her reaction was over the top but you can understand where the anger came from which is that this horribly unjust thing happened she you know well you, you know and she made decisions that led up to that but you know that is you know <laughs> i constantly feel myself tracking her in every scene and throughout like an episode thinking to myself which is the real amy yeah is she actually a nice person or is she actually a really crazy enraged person and the answer is that she's both she's all of those things yeah but you i mean you have a sense that there's a fight going on where she'll come out one way or more one way than the other but at this point i don't know yeah. <laughs> like I could see it going either way at this point. Yeah. I feel like it's it's maybe building more towards another explosion. Yeah. Just because of the amount of frustration that she faces every time it's like every episode another door is closed rather well, than another door being opened. And she, she's only she did, she went away for 3 months. Yeah. She has these ideas but she hasn't made them part of her. Like, she can spout them, she knows them, but they haven't become so much a part of her that they actually changed who she... They're sort of like a like a, a, a pancake mask or, or something that she's putting over herself that she's trying to, to wear. Yeah, she's trying yeah. on a new yeah. personality. It's more than a personality, yeah. but a new personhood. Yeah. And it hasn't... It's not, it's not part of her yet. Well, well, and whether it will be part of forever, we you know I we feel don't know like yet. She has this enormous fount of of energy and potential goodwill to put into something, and so part of what we're watching is her trying to find the cause or the mm. outlet or the way that she can help or be of service. And in the meantime, it's kind of spilling over, and no. it's the energy's going in the wrong directions. Like there's the episode where she wants to. Um, become a volunteer at the homeless or she wants to yeah. work at the homeless shelter and she's totally into that and i actually believe that she really wants yeah. to work with the homeless and she goes there and, and interviews and then when she hears i don't know what she thought the pay was going to be yeah. but when she realizes it's like twenty one thousand dollars or something like that she absolutely can't do that yeah she like burst into tears yeah. and she she really wants to do that there's no way <laughs> She could ever do that. She could, yeah. She owes more than that just on the, the remaining bill from the Hawaii yeah. uh, retreat. It's <laughs> $24,000 um, <sighs> at the Hawaii retreat. Yeah, it's... I forgot what I was going to say, but... Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but something about, um, I don't remember now, but. That was <laughs> worth waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Anyway, so it's, it's I, I think, the best kind of television. Um, well, I'm glad that not yeah. all television is this uncomfortable. Well, but again, you know, character driven, which is the kind of stuff that I want. I want to. I want to know about people and what they're thinking and how they're feeling and, well, you know, how you know, they're trying to change and how they're trying to be better. And and we're getting characterization that is as rich and nuanced as 
a character in a novel where yeah. you are privy to their interior monologue and mm. their thoughts. You have, you know, the whatever third person limited or any of that stuff. Like we have, we, and you can see moment to moment, all the competing whims, the good forces, the bad forces, the good impulses, the bad impulses, the love, the hate. Yeah. But in a character in a television show or in a movie, it's good stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. <laughs> It's well, you won't ever be the same after watching yeah. some of this. <laughs> um, you know, I I'm glad that I'm able to share these with you. It's sometimes it's it's like when you read a classic, it's good to challenge yourself. Yeah. With 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 this and like understanding, I think it m- makes us more empathetic people to sort of like examine all sides of things. Yeah. Um you know, I think it helps me in my relationships in my life to, to have looked at like, you know, someone who I, I think may have done, you know, something bad or vengeful or, or cruel or whatever. And maybe, you know, see it from a different perspective. Most of the time we can think at least we're not, we didn't, (laughs) at least we're not as bad (laughs) as Laura Dern. Sorry. I love you, Laura Dern. But, but I mean, are we? I mean, yeah. like, no, I you don't know, know, because we are that. We are any action I that mean, we could take. Thank God, there's no television show about us. Any, yeah, any statement that we could make. Yeah. I mean, there's people in our lives that could interpret that in an entirely different way, no matter how well intentioned we are. You know. You know, and then there's the old <laughs> adage about how, which is why I have in a well-written that. story. I mean, actually, you know, when you have a so-called villain or or mm. or an uh, the antagonist or whatever yeah. you want to call it, that person is always the hero in their own story. Yeah. I think you see that. And mm. like you, you get the full, this is a full human. Well, and, but even like that, that's the thing I love about this is that we get to see that she feels like she's a terrible person sometimes yeah. too. You know, but sometimes she's incredibly self righteous and feels victimized. Exactly. Well, and same at this. You know, at the same time, you know, <laughs> it can go on a dime from one minute to the next. So anyway, I I like that. You know, it it shows the human struggle in a way that um, that not everything. Does. I just want to shout though. Sometimes, like, why? Why do you have to have a yoga thing in your office of weird mole people in the basement? Why do you have to force them to do that? Why do you have to insinuate, invite yourself well, to Krista's I mean, baby shower? Why do you have to? <laughs> why do you drop off your wackadoodle friend from yeah. Hawaii at your ex-husband's house so that you can freak out about how much time they're spending together and what they're up to? Why do this? Why? And my hands are clenched right now. And like, seriously, when we watch these, Ashley has to get up and pace away sometimes because it's just too painful to some of the social interactions. Yeah. It's you act the same way in horror films. I do. This is like social horror. It is. It's social horror. I I mean, like that's, you know, my nightmare is to be in a situation where I'm behaving in a way that and people are reacting like they do to her in that situation, you know. And I don't know. Like the way they're all looking at her at the baby shower. But you've got to admire her. She does. I mean, like, 
you got to admire the fact that even if she's got this like major thing of self-doubt and self-hatred or something, she's able to like persist beyond that and live her life, mm-hmm. you know, even with that. And I, that's, that's what everybody's doing. Well, They're wandering around with this big weight on their shoulders. You and know, she definitely <laughs> like every day is a new day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, she gets up and can work herself up to 11 on the like positive scale again yeah. by 10 a.m. Well, there's there's so much of this like, I mean, she wants to do more than what she has to do, but there's so much of human life that we just do because we have to do it, no matter how, you know, embarrassed we feel or how much self-loathing we feel or, you know, it's like there's a certain amount of stuff that you just have to do. So you somehow find the energy to do that, but she's actually trying to do more, you know, and I think there's some level of narcissism there as well, so... But that's... <laughs> yeah, I was speculating that she may be a clinical narcissist yeah. <laughs> on top of everything else. Because like, she takes like normal human uh, interactions and is personally offended by them. You know, everything when relate, it was not related to her. to her. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it's exhausting. Yeah. But well worth the effort put into it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's... It's not as fun to watch, but it reminds me a lot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which has similar oh, yeah. art of sort of uh, likable, unlikable character, but played there's up a little now, more. Um, you could argue that there's like sort of a new tradition starting of this mm. kind of a damaged, self-destructive female character. Yeah. But that's incredibly nuanced yeah. and has... Well, and look, I mean? look how, you know, Rebecca changes throughout the course of yeah. the, you know... And finds a new, a new, she, she, she finds a way to do what she loves, you mm-hmm. know, what's an essential part of her, you know, I hope, I can't remember what happens to Laura Dern, we'll find out, I guess, so. Yeah, don't tell me. I, I don't have, remember. I have a, yeah. a, a deeply uncomfortable journey to complete yes. with Laura <laughs> Dern. Right. That should be a title of an episode. Yes. A deeply uncomfortable <laughs> journey, journey with Laura Dern. <laughs> podcast i think that we have to call it a day and you know we ended up talking about enlightened almost as much as uh yeah the good girl well i think we're talking the the sort of oeuvre of 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 mike Mike white White, so welcome to the world of mike white both um i don't know how did enlightened do at the time was it uh, I was going to say know, these are both critics sort of sleepers, loved it. Critics loved it. Um, not many, not many it. people saw it. Um, yeah. I'm surprised it got a second season. Um, it, you know, um, well loved by critics. It's on HBO streaming, so check it out. Um, it's well worth your time. You know, um, and go look back at the Good Girl. Yeah. If you if you missed that one completely, yeah. it's probably not what you thought it was from the yeah. box in the video store or on, <laughs> on your uh, Netflix queue or whatever. Yeah. All right, I think that that's a wrap for uh, for your your choice this week. And next time it's my choice, and I don't know what it's going to be. And that's one of the great things about this show—you never know what you're going to get. That's right. Kind of try and take you all over the place. So it's fall. So we've been this ha- uh, good girl has some Halloween stuff and some death. By Blackberry, so that's a little bit. I creepy. don't know if I'm going in that direction okay, unless we'll you make me go in okay. that direction or strongly encourage well, me to go in that direction. Well, I was going to try to. So we did Halloween last year, and um, I'll think about don't it. Don't look now. Surely there's something I could yeah. I could come up with. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Subscribe to us. Yes. Leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Stop by Instagram or Facebook to see what we're up to, which is usually just telling you about the new show as it drops. Yes. But you'll be you'll know first if you subscribe. I should, I should put a link to the Mike White interview on the. Facebook yeah, let's put a we'll okay. put a link to the Mike White uh, interview in show notes, and and we will see you, hear you. We never hear you. In two weeks. In two weeks. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. Bye.